I'm excited to share with you all that I've contributed a chapter to the newly published Anxiety Relief Handbook. The handbook provides a unique window into 11 highly effective complementary therapies for you to sample on your quest to ease anxiety. The ebook is available on my website, happynurse.com.au forward slash anxiety relief handbook. You do not have to hold a title to be a leader. To lead yourself every day, to hold yourself to the highest possible standards that you can is how we want our culture internally to be. But also, if we don't address that you can be a leader without a title, how can you progress forward? How can we be our best version? Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast. Nurses are the backbone of healthcare, always there to care for strangers as if they were one of their own, often forsaking special moments with their own family in order to ensure another's loved one is being cared for. As nurses, self-care is essential. I am Elena Mullery, nurse educator and self-care mentor for nurses. I'm an RN with 20 years of clinical experience. I have first-hand experience of stress and burnout. It was this experience which led me to develop a passion for personal development and pursue the study of mindfulness, meditation, hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming. Each episode, I will be promoting self-care strategies to those who always care for others. I have broken self-care down into five aspects mental, emotional, physical, spiritual and indulgence to make it easy to ensure all your self-care needs are being met. Each episode I will interview nurses and self-care gurus from around the world to help you with each aspect of your self-care. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast with Elena Mullery. Hi everyone, welcome to this fortnight's episode of the Happy Nurse Podcast. Today I am joined by the lovely Kay Reynoldson from Sustain Health Recruitment. Kay is originally from the UK, but after graduating with a BA in Childhood and Youth Psychology in 2009, Kay migrated to Sydney and fell in love with the world of health and wellbeing recruitment. Having gained invaluable industry experience over her first six years in the Australian healthcare recruitment market, she was in a position to create a brand with purpose. And so in July 2017, Sustain Health Recruitment was born. Kay's vision is to make a real difference to the health and well-being of Australian communities near and far. And she's dedicated to building and creating sustainable partnerships that bring sustained health values to life. Now, with close to 10 years experience in the Australian health and well-being recruitment market and running her multi-award winning recruitment business, Kay can honestly say that she loves what she does and is very proud of the service her incredible team deliver each day. The Sustain Health Recruitment team work tirelessly to enrich the lives of their customers by delivering recruitment with heart to each and every one of their customers. Welcome to the podcast, Kay. Hello, thank you so much for having me. That was just amazing. <laughs> it's funny when you hear someone else read your bio, is it? You think, yes. oh, that's me they're talking about. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. And it's funny, my first visit to Sydney, well, my first Sydney even, Australia, gosh, can't get my words out this morning. My first time I came to Australia, I moved to Sydney as well. I lived in Sydney in 2003 and fell in love with the place then. So it's interesting we both left the UK and landed on the shores of New South Wales. Well, I have to say, when I first arrived here, I was like, this is a beautiful place. You know, I could see myself living here long term. And my husband's cousin, who's a nurse, she was already living out here. And she said, why would you live anywhere else? You know, if you're going to live anywhere, it has to be Sydney. It has to be New South Wales. And I will say I'm completely converted now. So as much as I think WA, which is where you are, is a beautiful place to visit, I don't think I could move 
I don't think I could move. Yeah, I love Sydney, but we mm. ended up over here in the West because my ex-husband is in oil and gas. So oh. that's what brought us to West Australia. So, yeah, but I love it here. I think Perth's an amazing place to raise my children. When I compare my childhood to theirs, they're like polar opposites, you know? They are living the life that I dreamed of when I was a kid. Although life in Scotland was pretty cool too. You know, we got the snow and there's all the mountains and yeah, but this is home for my children. So they'll probably want to go to the UK one day, you know, do the opposite of what their dad and I did. But that's just how the world works. And that's it, isn't it? When we migrated here, you just think about all of the opportunity that's out here. But there is something where you think, oh, there's nothing quite like being at home. So I could imagine it'd be nice for your kids to get back there one day and actually spend some time there. Have they been back so far? Oh, yeah, they've been back lots, especially the eldest one, you know. I usually go back at least once a year. I can't at the moment because of the circumstances we're in. But yeah, they're itching to get back again. They miss it. And they've just had a massive snowfall. It's gone now. But like last month, they had heaps of snow back home. And my dad lives really remotely. And he was FaceTiming and showing the kids pictures of his garden. And they were like, I want to play in the snow, Grandad. <laughs> you know, meanwhile, it's 40 degrees here in Perth. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah just how it is but yeah we do get back and they do get to play in the snow sometimes and yeah they've got the benefit of having dual passports because of their dad and I you know so they can do what they want when they grow up which I think that alone is an amazing opportunity that we've been able to give them so yeah Definitely. what a blessing and it's interesting you say about the snow so when I first came here I mentioned that I lived in Sydney but we had to go off up to Queensland and do some fruit picking so I I did the six months well I actually ended up being nine months of fruit picking in sort of regional Queensland in a place called Gainda and another town down the road from that called Mundubra and for a while I was able to work in the packing factory which at the time was like the best job to pack the oranges rather than pick them so I yeah. got a few weeks work in the in the orange packing factory I worked with some Aussies that lived in that town for years and they were asking me like, what's snow like? Like, what does it kind of feel like? Like, because they'd never experienced it because it's such a warm climate where they live. So yeah. you don't think about those things at all. No, not at all. I remember when I was a, a kid, my best friend, her cousins lived in Sydney and I remember them coming to Scotland one Christmas and we had a really heavy snowfall that year too. And I'll never forget their faces. You know, they were amazed that this stuff was falling from the sky. To me, it was normal. It was winter. It snowed. But yeah, seeing the joy and the delight on their face that they were actually able to experience this snow was, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. We took it for granted when we lived in it, I suppose. But I think I'd much rather have the sun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's pretty to look at, but once you actually have to go out and drive and get on with everyday life in it, it becomes a bit of a chore sometimes, doesn't it? Definitely. I'll never forget trying to push the pram in the snow when my little one, my eldest was a baby when we were there before we moved back to Perth. And yeah, trying to push the pram through the snow was not fun. I can imagine. We digress. <laughs> Anyone who's listening from the UK will totally get this. Or in America, they get lots of snow in America too. So. Yeah, it'll, it'll resonate. Yeah. Anyway, it's awesome to have you here and to talk about all things self-care. I know you're a big fan of self-care. I've been following you on LinkedIn for a while now and we connected middle of last year and had a lovely chat. So it's so exciting to have you on the podcast. You know, I talk about self-care all the time and I talk about having non-negotiables. So what would be a non-negotiable in your self-care? Well, I think the first thing I should say is for a few years of my career, lots of it. So I've been doing this job now for coming up to 10 years. And I would say for the first sort of five or six years, I didn't give self-care enough thought. I was on autopilot way too much you know walking to work with my head down in my phone and not really taking in my environment not really thinking about what I needed to be healthy and happy 
and not realizing that that really was the most important thing so that I could then help and support other people in my life and in my role so now with the awareness that I've got around self-care and I have to say a lot of that is down to you know the things I hear on your podcast the way that you support have people think about their self-care especially in the career that you're in that you're all in it makes me more aware of it so look what are my non-negotiables I've got a couple I think recently in fact this year I have really become quite a fan of meditation been using an app called Headspace so I think a lot of people out there would probably know Headspace. I love that app I recommend it to everyone. Andy Pudicum who founded Headspace have you seen his TED talk? No but I have recently seen he's got a new Netflix series and I've been watching that. Yeah I've watched that that's good yeah I'm a huge fan of his. Yeah, so I've, he's been my friend, if you like, my uh, my headspace friend or the person that I have run through the meditations with me basically since the beginning of this year. So I stopped and started meditation. I think everybody's done that, you know, I'm going to try and meditate, but I've been sticking to a minimum of and very short snippets of it, but five to 10 minutes a day. And I just find that that sets me up for my day gives me a bit of clarity, gives me some headspace, to be quite frank, and just gives me some time to think about nothing. So just to be in my body, be with myself, not really engage in my thoughts, and just set me up for the day, really. So I guess that's an absolute non-negotiable for me now. And if I ever miss a day, I hate running out of my streak. Do you know that it's the kind of gamified it? So it's, you know, you don't miss your streak. So that's definitely a non-negotiable for me. I love meditation. I mean, I've got a diploma in mindfulness and meditation. I love it that much, but I see it almost like a superpower, you know? Oh yeah. It is. And I think it's something that I'm really pleased to know that my kids get taught at school. They do. Their school has this thing called a rock and water program, which teaches them all about mindfulness and meditation. And I think it's amazing. They start that in year three. So it's something that's introduced to them very early on. And I think if every school did that, we could change, you know, this mental health crisis within a generation because we would be teaching them the skills that they actually, they need that's lacking in our communities at the moment. I'm so passionate about it. And I teach my kids to meditate to the point that I've actually recorded meditations for my kids that are on YouTube. So I co-parent when they're with their dad, they can listen to this meditation as they go to sleep and hear my voice because they were struggling initially with the separation. So it's something that I'm a massive advocate for. And I do it every day, but I do it without thinking now. You know, I can just be sitting there and I'll find myself meditating without realizing I am. But I will also go off and do like a visualization or a guided meditation or I'll just lie and be still or or sit and be still. I'm a huge advocate for meditation not being the traditional sitting in the lotus position chanting. That's what a lot of people visualize when you talk about meditation and I think we need to get away from that concept because you can meditate when you're walking the dog when you're doing the dishes you know you can meditate in lots of different ways ultimately it's just an extension of your mindfulness practice it's about being completely aware and present in the moment without judgment when we can get to that point throughout most of our day in not having our minds running off down rabbit warrens or these endless to-do lists I think of it like a computer you know I'm really bad my computer I was just saying to you a minute ago I've got too many windows open you know too many tabs that's what goes on in your brain but I'd rather have it on the screen so it's not all in my head so yeah it's like I'm a huge advocate for journaling too after I meditate or before I meditate whatever mood I'm in and I see that as almost like a brain dump you know It's like when your computer gets full, you shift a heap of files over onto like an external hard drive. So when you journal, it's the same. You're getting the thoughts out of your head onto paper. So it's like dumping them from the computer onto the, the external hard drive. And it's so powerful. You know, like you said, you know, it gives you that headspace yeah. because it frees up space for other stuff to come in. Definitely. And I think one of the things that I always believed about myself was that I was not that 
that creative like you know I'm not very creative I'm very you know practical and focused on process and those things are true of me definitely but not just since the meditation but since I launched the business I've realized okay I am actually quite creative I am actually quite visual and I think meditation and spending that time with myself learning about myself my body how I feel trying not to engage in you know thoughts that I don't need to for that five ten sometimes if I'm really good 15 minutes a day it helps me it really helps me be a better person personally and professionally and I don't think I'm at your level (laughs) where I could just say oh I'm meditating now I would love to be and I think just the fact that I've built it into my daily habits which is something that I can only say is the the way to start small, you know, start small, build it, build it in every day. And then hopefully over time, it will become a little bit more of a a practice that I'm just engaging in rather than thinking about. Yeah, that's the key. It starts small. Just start to integrate it into your daily routine. And as you say, you know, make it a non-negotiable. It's that time for you. Yeah. And we're all worth at least five minutes a day. We're worth a lot more. But yeah, you know, allow yourself to start with if this is a new concept to just go there for five minutes. That's what I did. You know, I've been meditating for about 10 years now. So, you know, I'm way down the track. It is because I did make it a non-negotiable and something that I would do regularly. That's how I've got to the place I am today where it just happens naturally. But yeah, it's baby steps. You know, I always say you can't conquer the mountain immediately. You've got to take it step by step. But as soon as you start, you see the difference. So it becomes almost addictive. And like you say, you know, you can gamify it. You know, don't miss a day on your streak or you go back to zero again. Yeah, So yeah, definitely. I don't know if you've heard this. I have a book called Atomic Habit by James Clear. So yeah, I've read. Yeah. So he talks a lot about the micro habit and, you know, building it in. And I thought, well, if this year I'm going to set out to give myself a few, you know, non-negotiables around my well-being what should they be how long can I actually commit to and over time those tiny micro habits will grow out to be something more sustainable you'll be able to do it for longer so where I'm going so I'll let you know how my journey goes yeah please do (laughs) I've just started a new one as well actually I did um Tony Robbins UPW last weekend the virtual event which was incredible and off the back of that I've now started an extra like visualization every single day and it's a really powerful visualization and I I think I'll maybe do a live or I'll record a video or something at some point on social media about it because he encourages us to share it with everyone but it's almost you know how when we get stressed and we go into that overwhelm because we're just constantly stacking more and more stressful situations and negative stuff onto our minds and then we are we just blow our lids you know He teaches this process where we focus on all the good and it's all stuff from your past. So it's real things that's happened. So it's rewiring your brain. You know, it's this neuroplasticity and it's pulling in real images of proud moments, of happy moments, of family moments, and it's pulling all them in. And you feel amazing afterwards because you're actually focusing on real life events that are all true and have happened and that all made you feel good and just by stacking all them on for 15 minutes afterwards you feel fantastic so I'm doing it at least once a day at the moment good for you well it's all this positive psychology movement isn't it and I think I have a business coach who I work with once a month and she is rooted her her practice is rooted in positive psychology and I had a session with her on Thursday and I just said to her, every time I leave your sessions, I feel unbelievable. And she's like, because we look forward, you know, we plan ahead. We bring you into that place of creativity and we bring you into that place of what she calls flow. So yes. when you're, you know, you're in that place and you're in that zone, you're unstoppable with your ideas. And yeah, I, I can imagine that that's really powerful. Good old Tony Robbins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. You've got to love him. There's a reason he's as wealthy as he is. He's onto something. I actually, I chopped that plank of wood, you know, in the pack that came from America when I signed up. There's this plank of wood and 
like you actually chop through it with your bare hands at the end of day one it's really cool did you actually do it physically that's amazing because I think he actually had a net we'll plug in Netflix a little bit here but I think yeah. he had a documentary where I saw somebody do that and I didn't realize that you'd done that too that's incredible yeah, because usually on that event I did, you would do the fire walk, so you walk on the coals, yeah. but you can't because it's all virtual. Yeah, the, the wood's sitting here on my desk to remind me that I've done it. <laughs> the power yeah. of the mind, it's all in the mind, yeah. I'm actually thinking of integrating it into some of my workshops because it is it's so powerful because you write all your limiting beliefs on that plank of wood. And on the other side, you've got all these positive affirmations. So you chop through all those limiting beliefs. It's, yeah, it's a really cool process. Amazing. But this is just stuff I get up to <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> if you're My colleagues all say, you're nuts, Alina. <laughs> but, yeah, I love it. And it is, it's all, it's about the striving to constantly be the best version of yourself, you know. So I understand more than a lot of people how powerful our unconscious mind is having studied neuro-linguistic programming and it's all those those beliefs that are hidden in there that keep us small and keep, hold us back from actually doing what we want and fulfilling our dreams and, and turning up as that best version of ourselves you know so Absolutely. yeah look you, you'll know starting your business becoming an entrepreneur I know we were talking about this just before we started recording it's easy to doubt yourself. I mean, it's easy to doubt yourself in any walk of life, in any career, in any vocation. But when you're out there and it's your name and it's your brand and, you know, the things that you have inside of you that you might think, oh, I'm not sure if I can do that or I've never done that before. And yeah, just to overcome it and put yourself out there is a challenge in itself. So it's all about trying to think positively. Yeah. And I tend to push myself in my personal life as well because I think if I can do it in my personal life then I can do it professionally you know like at the weekend I get up to some crazy stuff but I was <laughs> I'm part of this movement in Perth called the Human Excellence Project and it's run by this amazing guy Paul Halliday I'll give him a plug on the podcast because I think he's wonderful in what he does and he does all these events for absolutely free because he's all about promoting positive mental health and having some like a group for people to turn to if they are struggling and it's the most uplifting nurturing positive group I've ever been part of you know you turn up in the morning and well pre-covid you know you got like 50 hugs everyone just gives you a hug when you get there and it's the conversations all really empowering and uplifting and anyway once a month they run this program where they do the Marcel Hoff method it's a bit like Wim Hof it's Wim Hof's brother so you do like three rounds of breath work and then you do all the movement and then you get in the bath of ice so I did that at the weekend I was in a bath of minus two for two minutes oh, wow <laughs> So you're chopping wood on a Saturday and jumping in an ice bath. That was the week before I was chopping the wood. This weekend I was in a bath of ice. Next weekend I'm just being mum. That's enough of a challenge. So. Oh, fair enough. Fair play. I mean, look, you are right. If you show up as your best self in your personal life, then you can bring that into your work and vice versa. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely credit to you. <laughs> I just love all this stuff. So, you know, I said the other day, you know, I'm a personal development junkie. I'm always wanting to learn stuff and absorb new information because I can pass it on to everyone through the podcast. You know, it's an incredible gift that I've got to be able to contribute. So definitely. And very entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can laugh at me at nothing. (laughs) laugh with you that crazy woman if you enjoy meditating or you would like to give meditation a try why not head on over to happynurse.com.au forward slash meditation to download my free guided meditation for stress and anxiety relief it's 12 minutes of pure self-care talking about being the best versions of ourselves, it's segue great into the next question so I always talk about being the best versions of ourselves, especially as nurses, so we can turn up and give the best possible care to our patients. Who or what inspires you to be the best version of yourself, Kane? Well, I think for me, there's a lot, there's a a few different contributors. So I think 
running a business most people will know this out there if, if they have a team or work with a team or lead a team you don't have to run a business but I guess my my team every day they inspire me and they give me energy to be the best leader that I can be at work and you know I they are so supportive of me and the company but also the customers that we work with so all of our candidates all of our clients I mean one of the things that I'm able to I guess share with your community is that I've been speaking to nurses and healthcare workers over the phone now for what coming up to 10 years and hearing how they do at work and how they show up and how they feel about their environment and the, the people that they work with and you know it's inspiring to hear their stories because you know whenever we ask the question so we we have an interview question sheet that we ask every nurse or, or medical professional that registers with us and one of the questions we ask is you know why do you do what you do and I would say 99.9% of the people answer because I'm here to care for people I enjoy helping people I get a buzz out of you know seeing people get better or nursing them to sometimes their, their death whatever it might be they have such empathy such compassion so it's really hard not to be inspired by those people where they're not in a career they're in a vocation and it's something that most nurses most doctors most healthcare, healthcare professionals that I speak to they just say that they knew that they were meant to do that I don't know if that's true for yourself, but it's a feeling almost. So it's inspiring. Yeah, it's a, a funny one. It's something that I think it's only a certain person that can work in healthcare and do this, these roles. You know, and being a nurse, it is, it's about contributing and making a difference to people's lives, yeah. you know, and, and being that smiling face, that hand to hold and helping people when they're feeling at their worst. And this is what my vision for happy nurses, you know, to encourage my nursing colleagues in particular to offer themselves that same compassion that they give to everyone else. Because we are such caring, empathetic, compassionate people, we sometimes forget to do the same things for ourselves. We give and give and give and, and that can lead to us getting burnt out. So, and that's what inspires me, you know, watching my colleagues, because they're an amazing, absolute, incredible bunch of professionals. Definitely. Yeah. I think nearly every single nurse I know and I speak to, they're all proud of what they do. You know, they get real pride from their role and yeah, the difference that they make in people's lives. It's definitely a career of service, that's for sure. Look, and I think having spent a little bit of time the back end of last year, I was in and out of the hospital system here in Sydney as a patient and just waking up after I had a twilight procedure and, and just after waking up and having somebody in recovery hold my hand and say, it's okay, this is where you are, this is what's going to happen next. And just give me a smile and just check in on me and know that I was safe in my most vulnerable moment, you know, was just incredible. And you think the people that I work with every single day, the people who I find employment for, you know, they're doing that every day. That's part of their job. So it's massively inspiring. But, you know, you're right in what you say, burnout from what I hear and what I see on a daily basis with our nurses. It's real. It's absolutely real. I would say that there are some common themes that I hear from the nurses in terms of where, you know, why they might be heading towards that or why they might be looking for new opportunities. And over my years in recruitment, I've definitely sort of categorized them into, into sort of three or four different areas where I would say, yeah, these are areas where we could be doing better as leaders, perhaps, or as healthcare professionals, or even just as individuals looking after ourselves at work um, and putting those boundaries in place so that we're not triggered to burnout. Are you happy to share those different categories with the listeners? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that would be wonderful. I always love to hear other people's ideas behind this because I, it's a question I get asked a lot is, what do you think causes nurse to burn it or what contributes to it? And, and I've got four different kind of answers. So I'm really intrigued to hear yours. Yeah, well, look, I can share what, what I would categorise as the reasons that yeah. I've heard over the years. So, you know, it'd be, it'd be great to kind of hear your thoughts on them as well. So I think 
If I was going to summarise the, the common self-care issues or concerns that I've heard from my candidates over the years, I think overwork would be one of the categories that I would put out there. So overworked, understaffed on the wards, under-resourced, long hours, delayed handovers, sometimes onboarding issues or perhaps support and training, sometimes not being able to take leave because, as you mentioned, it's a a service-driven industry um, as much as it's a healthcare industry. But what I hear from most of the people that I speak to when we talk about being overworked and understaffed is that there is just an acceptance that that is how it is in healthcare. And perhaps at times there will be moments where that is the case, but you can see then how that would lead to a nurse feeling or or any healthcare professional feeling triggered or burnt out or, you know, maybe underappreciated at times. Yeah, definitely. Because we all need to have that something to look forward to. You know, it's what drives us. And if you don't have that vision of where you're going, even if it is just having some leave, you know, so you can get some downtime and some rest, then you do start to just feel like you're on the hamster wheel. So yeah, I totally agree. You know, leave is important. And taking breaks as well. I mean, I'm known for it too. You know, I can go a whole shift, 12 hours without going to the bathroom. The listeners know this because I speak about (laughs) quite a lot, but it is, it's just, we need to actually make sure we are. I've now got an app on my phone and it flashes up every hour, have a drink of water. And since I've done that, I am visiting the bathroom a lot more because I'm better hydrated. But, you know, I'd got myself to the point that I was so dehydrated, I didn't need the bathroom. So so even simple little things like that, but having that app on my phone has made a big difference because it does remind me every hour, have a drink. And I've got a water bottle sitting there now that, yeah. (laughs) You can see see me on the screen actually, but um, I've got a two litre bottle here that I keep bringing over. I've just, (laughs) well, our our team's challenge this year is to do two litres before two o'clock. Oh, I Everybody love on the team is a two before two, so I'm 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 going to be all right. I'm not doing too badly. But there's that common meme, isn't there, that goes around? You might have seen it. I see it a lot on Facebook in the nursing community groups, and um, where it's a nurse, and there's just all these different labels on this nurse's body, and one of them is, you know, desperate for the bathroom, you no, know, exhausted, um, hungry, and yeah, you know, the amount of comments and you know, likes and shares and reshares that those kinds of pictures and those that memes get on social media are incredible because people just it resonates with you all so I mean yeah thank you for not using the bathroom when you're a nursing but please do go (laughs) yeah exactly I know it's definitely something yeah and the leave is definitely important so we've got something to look forward to and I think another thing that I would say you know kind of leads to leads on from from the overwork if you like and the under understaffed sort of under resourced pieces I hear a lot of talk around you know workplace conflict and that is in every workplace you know we can't just say that that's you know just in the healthcare industry but there are often from what I hear sort of systemic patterns of hierarchy in nursing anyway and you know perhaps dated ways of thinking and, you know, that causes conflict between the newer the newer nurses coming through and perhaps some of the older nurses or, you know, even doctors and nurses. And, the, you know, I hear about these things quite often when I'm speaking to my candidates or my clients even. But I guess you, I hear you talk about this on the podcast quite a lot. Is that real? I mean, you know, is that yeah. out there? I'd love to say no, but I can't. Yeah. I recorded an amazing episode with two wonderful nurse leaders in Queensland oh, months ago. I think it's episode 11, if anyone wants to refer back to it. And in that, Tracy and Emma speak about what they've called nurse cannibalism. And I love that they're so <clears throat> blunt. You know, they're calling it out for what it is. It's still happening you know, and it's really sad. It's something I experienced as a young nurse back early 2000s when I first graduated, even when I was a student as well, you know, and there's a lot of different thoughts around what could be causing it, but it is something that we need to start to address. It's a cultural problem. I don't think it's as bad as it used to be. 
Yeah. But I don't know if that's wishful thinking as well. I mean, I'm very fortunate in the clinical area I work. I work in a very positive, motivated team. But I do hear from other people that it is still happening out there and young nurses are experiencing it. And I think it's about trying to change the culture in nursing. And, you know, it's a predominantly female workforce as well. We need to all start to lift each other up rather than pulling each other down, you know, focus on each other's strengths rather than the weaknesses. I mean, we've all got stuff to learn, but if you recognize that someone has something that they maybe have a a gap in their skill set, there's ways and means of addressing it, you know, and I hear a lot about junior nurses being spoken to in front of patients. Well, mm-hmm. I don't think that's appropriate. You know, you need to take that junior nurse aside and, and have a one-on-one chat, like confidentially and offer your wisdom and skills with them. You know, I mean, I'm a nurse of 23 years now. I love teaching. It's something I'm passionate about. And when I get, I don't get students where I work at the moment because it's a private facility, but When I used to get students, I used to love like sharing my knowledge and expertise with them. That's probably part of what's led me to do what I do today. But there's ways and means of addressing people. And I think even if we could start to increase emotional intelligence and self-awareness amongst the workforce, it may help to like change the culture. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's having that awareness of the impact of what you're actually seeing. You know, words are powerful. Look, they are. And I think what you're also saying there is it's all about leadership, isn't it? So one of the things here at Sustain Health that we've recently done internally is we've talked about our 12 principles of leadership. So we've got four core values and, you know, our mission out there is to deliver recruitment with heart. And that for me is enriching people's lives. So that is enriching the lives of our customers, enriching the lives of our internal team. And so from that, we developed our 12 leadership principles. But actually what we talk about here is you do not have to hold a title to be a leader, you know, to lead yourself every day, to hold yourself to the highest possible standards that you can is how we want our culture internally to be. And we talk to our temp workers that are out there working and representing our brand all about our 12 leadership principles and how we want them to show up to work because it's all about culture. But also, if we don't address that, you know, you can be a leader without a title, how can you progress forward? How can we, you know be our best versions so we work really closely to that and we hold ourselves to account each of us will say look are we showing up towards our principles today so it's really been helpful that's awesome I love that you do that and it is it's treating everyone as a leader you know yeah nurse the patients look to us every single nurse is a leader you know yeah. the patients are looking to us for answers for explanations for help for advice so it is, it's holding ourselves to account and striving to be that best versions of ourselves. And I think if we're all doing that, then the culture of the cannibalism would probably fade away organically. It's also a zero tolerance approach. I mean, there's lots of different schools of thought around it too, and how you can approach it like systematically and get rid of it. But it is, it's zero tolerance. You know, if you see it happening, call it out. Don't just shy away. You know, there's ways and means that we can actually start to to change that toxic culture that's still... One of my sort of pieces of advice that I often talk to nurses about is report and call out poor behaviour because, you know, we'll get people that might have been in a job for a few months and they say, oh, I'm starting to notice the culture here isn't what I thought it would be and, you know, would it perhaps, you know, this is not the right place for me. So my first conversation with them is, okay, tell me about what that looks like. Do you want me to have a conversation with your manager, your team leader, whoever that might be? And we respect our candidate's decision. And that sometimes they'd like our input, sometimes they wouldn't. But one thing that I advise them to do is call it out, report it, but try and be aware of your part in that process as well. So are you contributing to it? Are you being the best version of yourself? Are you being a leader? And also, if you need extra help, 
there are definitely places out there because we place a lot of nurses in rural and remote communities. So we partner with Krana. I don't know if you've heard of Krana, the Bush Nursing Service. Yeah, I I get their emails. They've got some wonderful mindfulness tips. Yeah, they're great. But they also run a 24-hour, seven days a week counselling service for free for any nurses working remotely or any of their family members that have been affected by anything that they're dealing with. So I guess calling it out is the first step and trying to be aware of your part in that process is also really important because not to say that you are to blame and I think the word blame is a really bad term in itself mm-hmm. because it shouldn't be about finger pointing in any situation it should be about how can we be better what can we do as a group how can we build our culture towards the kind of place we want that people want to work yeah it's moving away from that blame culture and I think that's probably historically been a bit of the problem in healthcare is there has been a blame culture historically and they're always looking for someone to hold to account whereas we need to look at it as more of a learning opportunity you know it's probably a combination of events that's led to something happening it's not just one individual so it is it's a really interesting dynamic and I'm part of a group of Oh, there's quite a few of us and we're all very passionate about it. And we're all starting to kind of have a conversation to really think of ways that we could start to make positive railroads into making this change. So, yeah, watch this space. There are a few of us working in the background to try and come up with some ideas and solutions and like there's a huge cohort of us and we've all got different experience so yeah it's it's quite exciting to be part of it all oh brilliant well that's thought leadership in action isn't it people coming together sharing and collaborating and you know trying to make the environment and the culture in healthcare as a whole a better place so oh yeah definitely yeah. share with me once you uh once you move yeah. that road <laughs> There's, I think, another reason I think I'm throwing my tuppence worth. Yeah, I do. We're talking about being overworked, you know, and understaffed. It's that expectation that's being placed on us. I think there's increasing expectations from our employers, you know, because we are working with larger ratios than maybe we once did. And there's also the increasing expectation from the patients yeah the society we live in it's created a culture of everything being on demand you know instantaneous and I hear like nurses they tell me stories and it blows my mind you know like I remember speaking to one intensive care nurse and she was saying you know there's patients who are more than capable of pouring their own glass of water will ring the bell to go and get her to do it for them rather than them doing it themselves. So I think, I don't know, I don't know what's happened, but in today's world we live in, I think we've all become a bit more reliable on others. And when we go into hospital, some patients, I'm not saying they all of them, but they're expectation is a lot higher than it used to be and I think that puts a lot of extra pressure onto the nursing staff too. I can only imagine I mean if you think about how we consume things these days everything as you mentioned is instant and there's this expectation if you are going I I suppose as well going into a private facility that you know you're paying your insurance therefore it should be an extra level of service here or there yeah, I think that would be really hard to navigate. But it's about having, and I guess we'll come on to this, but it's about having boundaries, isn't it? What is acceptable in your nursing practice or in your practice, whatever your profession? And what are you willing to fight for? What are you willing to say no to? And I guess all in a professional context, because I can, yeah, of course, people can pour their own water, you know, most of the yeah. time, most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's stupid little things like that that is re-diverting nurses away from other things that they could be doing. So, yeah, it's about involving the patient as part of the team as well. I think once you involve them as part of the team, then and educate them on their role that they have to take, you know, and looking after, I'm not saying they need to look after themselves. I mean, we're there to provide them a service, but educating them on what they can do to, what's the word I'm looking for? Improve their outcome. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. 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 
definitely so at the end of the day when they go home there's not someone there to pour their glass of water so they have to be able to do it before we can release them from from hospital so yeah yeah I agree and look I mean the world is changing and I think healthcare has to evolve with it but it doesn't have to become a situation where you guys can't get home on time for those kinds of reasons right you have family you work shifts you know everything impacts into your working week and you know you also are a human being and you guys need to be able to fill up your cup so that you can fill up theirs but at the same time you know it's just about making sure that you are living to your values and within your boundaries in a professional context yeah definitely yeah and when we're turning up as the best versions of ourselves like I say you know we are providing the best level of care we can to our patients and I think when you are living at that level you're very clear on your boundaries you know what they are and you're not willing to negotiate on them either so yeah yeah it all kind of comes together you know all these different aspects to to really just always living by trying to be that best version of yourself I know you mentioned earlier just about you know we the healthcare is predominantly or you know quite heavily influenced by women and one of the things that we just did here was celebrate International Women's Day so we every year do a brochure just to look at some stats in healthcare And we talk about exactly what you said, you know, women are predominantly really well represented in healthcare, not so much at the sort of senior, senior levels. So I think we've got some work to do there as a society, but because it is so heavily female influenced, we want to support each other and lift each other up and lean into those opportunities and know that there's not just one seat at the table for one person. We bring everybody along that road with us um, and try and stay away from you know typical stereotypes that we we don't yeah. we don't need to think about as women we need to think about how we bring each other along and support each other because we're all fighting I, mean, I don't like the word fighting either but we'll use it in this situation we're all fighting the same battle we, we want parity we want gender parity we want we want to be recognized in the same way so we should support and guide each other to that place yeah without a doubt definitely we all I think there's historically been this culture of women I don't know I don't want to say they're knocking each other down yeah you know you know what I'm talking about yeah yeah. I think it's time to like that's in the past we don't have to go down that road you know it's already done it's looking to the future and about really lifting each other up and empowering each other you know women when they get together they're a force to be reckoned with you know so I think we definitely we need to pay a lot of attention on focusing on each other's strengths and lifting each other up and and being that community as well and for our male colleagues too you know we include them as well you know lift them up along with us so there's a brilliant book you might have read it called lean in no I haven't read that so it's by a lady called I think it's Cheryl Sandberg I think I'm saying that correctly and she was the CEO of Facebook and worked under Mark Zuckerberg but she talks in that book a huge amount about you know feeling worthy of taking the opportunities as women but also bringing each other along on the journey and not playing into exactly what you just said, that kind of, uh, you know, negative stereotype that is way in the past and that we there is opportunity for all of us out there and we need to bring each other along rather than leave each other behind or point the finger. Yeah, definitely. I think collaboration is a oh, huge yeah. tool that we can all use and we should never feel threatened by another woman who is successful or another man you know we're all on a level playing field and we should all be helping each other and it's that whole I think we tend to go into that if I go into the psychology behind it all we tend to go into that comparison you know and we start comparing ourselves to others and then when we don't feel like we're the same level there's a tendency to then go into the fear because they're like oh they're better than me we need to get rid of all that you know just see everyone as equals and 
encourage each other to be becoming the best versions of themselves, you know? And the only person we should be comparing ourselves to is who we were yesterday. That's it. No one else. Oh, I love it. That's perfect. And I don't know who said it, but there's some quote that I've sort of always clung on to that it's the comparison is the thief of joy. And it's so true. Like, yeah. How can you be happy if you're constantly thinking about what you could or should or would be? They're, they're terrible words to use, really. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it is. It, that's exactly what it is. It's the thief of joy. Yeah. There's a few few things that steal joy, but that's for another episode. <laughs> we'll come back and do that. I one. could talk about that all day. What I believe steals our joy. But yeah, yeah, no, I love that. That's brilliant. Yeah. So when I first started promoting self-care to nurses, I realized very quickly that it often got associated with things like bubble baths, day spas, you know, getting your nails done, whatever. But there's actually so much more to it than just that. So I broke it down into five aspects. And these are the mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and what I call the indulgent aspects, the things that self-care often hand, oftentimes gets associated with. What is your idea of indulgent self-care? Do you know what? I had a really indulgent self-care weekend and it was so, this past weekend in Sydney, it rained, it rained, it rained, it rained. And it is summer, by the way, so I'm not sure why it's raining. <laughs> but it was such it was it was such simple things that I realised made me really happy. So I had my morning routine. So I get up, I do 10 or 15 minutes of yoga. So I'm absolutely by no means a yogi, although they do say that anybody who does yoga is a yogi. So I'll take that, but I'm not, I'm not an advanced yogi, let's say that, but 10 or 15 minutes of movement in my body and mindfulness practice, which is basically what yoga is essentially. Um, then my meditation on my app for a couple of minutes. And then I went for a walk. I went for a walk around the park. And my afternoon after that was I got a coffee and I read a book. And it was just so dreamy. It was so relaxed. And the the hours just passed without me even realising that it was time for dinner. And, you know, then I sort of took a break from from the self-indulgent side. But look, I'm very aware that I am lucky enough to be able to do that. I don't have children yet, so I have a bit of spare time. But it really is something that I've not done in such a long time and I was forced to do. And, you know, walking in the rain as well, like that was incredible because I'm like, okay, I need to get some steps in because I try and go for my 10,000 steps a day. But I got drenched and I loved it. It was brilliant. It's good walking in the rain here, isn't it? Because it's not cold, is it? It's not cold. (laughs) Yeah, it's not cold. It's true. Um, But it was simple things that just made me happy. And to me, that was indulgent. Yeah, but you were out in the natural environment as well. You know, that's so invigorating in itself, just reconnecting to nature because we work in these boxes that are fluorescently lit, you know, and it's there's nothing natural about them. So getting back outside and, and just, yeah, being in nature with the fresh air, listening to all the sounds and, and the rain, you know, I love sitting out the back I've got like a patio out the back and it's got a corrugated roof so I love sitting out there when it's raining because here in Perth when it rains it rains properly you know like it's really heavy and I just love that sound I could listen to it for hours it's brilliant and the smell as well with the rain it's got that gorgeous smell do you not think oh yeah that real earthy kind of really reconnects you back to nature yeah oh that's wonderful and like a book and a cup of tea that's my indulgent self-care too I won't lie I also had a Tim Tam which for anybody in Britain it's basically a fancy penguin without the wrapper the individual wrapper I had a Tim Tam and that was just great a cup of tea a book a Tim Tam yeah good on you for (laughs) stopping at one (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're pretty addictive um, yeah, they are. Did you suck the tea through it? That's the other crazy trick. Isn't it? It's like you use the Tim Tam as a straw, don't you? But no, I didn't. But when I first went back to England after living here for a while, I have um, younger brothers and sisters. So they were about seven and maybe 10 at the time when I first went back. And I taught them that trick and they just loved it. So every time I went back after that, I had to bring them packs and packs of Tim Tam so they could drink their cups of tea through their Tim Tam. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I always have to take Tim Tams home when I go back too. It's like a prerequisite. When I go and stay with my dad, he's like, that's your payment for your, your board for, for the duration. <laughs> 
okay he's like where's the tim tams as soon as i rock up i'm like whoa okay i'll get them out well the airports have cottoned on to this haven't they so they sell them at a premium price as you go through duty free where you can get them from yeah. the supermarkets here you know quite cheaply so um yeah stock up on the tim tams before our next trip whenever that will be yeah, whenever we get to travel again, yeah, and go back there. Yeah, who knows? But it is what it is. We've just got to do what we can at the moment. I'm just so grateful to be here in Australia and in particular in Western Australia. You know, we've yeah. we've had it really, I don't want to use the word easy because there has been restrictions and we can't see family. But in comparison to what I'm listening to my family experiencing back in Scotland, I'm I feel very grateful to be in the position that I am here and we've still managed to get on with a relatively normal life. We are very lucky, aren't we? Absolutely. I feel the same. I went out to an event a few weeks ago. The business was nominated for an award and we were sending some pictures back home to, to England to say like, oh, fingers crossed. And they were like, wow, guys, like you're in a taxi heading to a venue. Oh, wow, guys, you're um, at an event with, you know, upwards of 800 people and and we we can't leave our, you know, front garden, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really difficult for them. And I, you just feel so lucky and so blessed that everybody that I know back home, and I hope it's the same for, for you as well, that your family and friends are safe, but they've lived through a really terrible few months, well, year now. Yeah, it's been a year, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And obviously having nursing colleagues back there and hearing what what they're experiencing. And yeah, that's actually why the podcast started. You know, I've spoken about this many times in many episodes. It's that guilt inside me for being here and not being back there helping them. I thought, what can I do? So that was how the the podcast was born. It was through the drive to, to help my colleagues back in the UK and everything that they're experiencing right now and the extra pressure that COVID has thrust upon them so yeah I dedicate my podcast to all my my colleagues back there that's beautiful and you know I I know we were talking about this just before we started recording but I'm so grateful for your podcast and I know that our nursing community that we work with at Sustain Health they're going to be really grateful for your podcast and I think you're so passionate about what you do and it's so real and yeah, I think it's so authentic that it's brilliant, is basically what I'm trying to say. Oh, thank you so thank much. You it means a lot to me to know that it's resonating with people out there, because sometimes I think, oh, am I just waffling on? But <laughs> yeah, it's funny when you know stuff, you forget that other people don't know it. I think that's, you know, it, it comes from that. So yeah, thank you. I re- and I, I really appreciate your support, Kate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And thank you for just sharing your knowledge because I think it's invaluable. And yeah, keep sharing, keep bringing that thank through. You. Well, <laughs> I shared on last fortnight's one that it's my big goal now to get it to a million nurses this year. There's 29 million nurses in the world. So if I can get it to 1 million this year, this is my big goal. And I have got some plans of how I'm going to get it out there, but I'm going to need the listener's help as well. I've got a plan in mind, so I'll get that out to you probably in the next episode or two. I'll share share my ideas, and I'd love to hear from anyone who's got any ideas as well as to how I could get the podcast out there to a million listeners. So Yeah, I see it as a, a free resource. I hear a lot from my listeners, you know, I wish I'd had something like this years ago when I was experiencing burnout or I was going through stress. So I'm seeing it as a free resource for them to tap into. I mean, this is episode 36, you know, and if you think most episodes run for about 40 minutes, there's hours and hours of content sitting there now with lots of amazing guests on sharing their wisdom and expertise. So, yeah, I'm on a mission to get it out there. Well, we we will support your mission, continually support your mission. So if there's anything that myself or my team can do that we're not already doing, we will absolutely support you. Maybe we can start a hashtag. One million nurses. 
One million nurses. One million happy One nurses. One million happy nurses. I think that's great. Here we go. I love that. Thank you, Key. Let's do that. Let's roll with that. Hashtag one million happy nurses. Hashtag one million happy nurses. And we will absolutely back you. And, you know, we every time that we register candidates, we give them like an introduction pack. So we always outline that this is a great resource as well as Krana because we believe in, in both of the products. So it's, yeah, thank you. Well, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. It's been wonderful having you on the show today. Thank you for sharing all your expertise and your personal experience as well. I look forward to chatting to you again soon. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you for everything you do in the recruitment industry, because you being who you are and promoting that positive, nurturing, loving environment to place nurses, I think it's all having a ripple effect if that makes sense you know yeah. more of us that are heart-centered in our businesses the greater the impact's going to be and at the end of the day it's going to impact the patient's care as well so ultimately you know everyone's winning from it so thank you so much for everything you do thank you well look recruitment with heart is is who we are and we endeavor to just make sure that that is who we continue to be so yeah, thank you very much. And I'll put the links to Sustain Health Recruitment in the um, show notes for anyone who's interesting, interested even in exploring more about Kay and her recruitment company and what she does. Thank you very much. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Happy Nurse Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's content and would like to join the Happy Nurse community, Head over to Facebook and check out the Happy Nurse AU Facebook page and request to join the Happy Nurse community. Also check out happynurse.com.au for access to free downloads and subscription to my blog. See you soon and in the meantime remember to always offer yourself the same compassion that you so freely give to others. I'm excited to share with you all that I've contributed a chapter to the newly published Anxiety Relief Handbook. The handbook provides a unique window into 11 highly effective complementary therapies for you to sample on your quest to ease anxiety. The ebook is available on my website, happynurse.com.au forward slash anxiety relief handbook.